Imagine going to a wedding reception where there is no food or drink. Or imagine celebrating Thanksgiving where there is no food and you're just kind of just staring at each other and watching football. At the core of our being, there is a reason why food is such an integral part to celebration. You are listening to Meet and Write, a podcast that dives into liturgical worship and how communion really begins after church. Well, welcome to the Meet and Ride podcast. We are happy that you are with us today. My name is Father Nathaniel, and as you can tell by the title, we are talking about food. So all throughout high school and college, and and I guess really up until I became a priest, a very common thing that occurred right after church on Sunday is that a bunch of our friends would get together and we would ask each other, we would text each other, we would ask, where are we going to go eat? You know, where are we going? And it was a common thing for us to ask ourselves that because an integral part to our social life rotated around food. Is that good or bad? That's up to you to decide. But that was a very common thing. And I'm sure I'm not the only one um, where that was a common thing on, on Sundays. So there was a recent study that showed just to prove how much food is an integral part to our social life and to our weekly routine. The study showed that 56% of Americans eat out at least three times a week. So more than half of us eat out at least three times a week because we take our food very seriously. Food is an integral part to us bonding, and it's an integral part to celebrating. I mean, there's, there's no feast, there's no holiday, uh, you know, there's no Thanksgiving, there's no wedding without food being an integral part to that celebration. And the saying is also true that you are what you eat. You are what you eat. Just one example of this that I remember from from college was if you eat a ridiculous amount of carrots, like if you eat tons of carrots, your skin will change colors. Your, 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 Your skin will end up looking really like a carrot. That's because, like the science behind that is there's something called beta carotene, which will then transform the color of our skin to look like a carrot, which proves the, the saying that you are what you eat. Food is an integral part to humanity, and our divine designer, our heavenly father, God instilled that and wired us to be that way. Even if we go back to the dawn of creation, and we look at the first two human beings, and this intimate bond that existed between man and God, Adam and Eve, and God, the Holy Trinity, this unique and intimate bond between them three. God made it very clear to Adam and Eve, you can partake of anything, but this one tree you cannot. And, and, and God kind of highlighted two trees that were there, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then the tree of life. There was the tree of life. And there is an early Christian by the name of St. Gregory, the theologian, And he had a beautiful meditation about the tree of life, uh, and he wrote this around the year 360 AD. He had this beautiful meditation or commentary to the tree of life of saying that God, in, in his original design, was for humanity to enjoy the tree of life, for humanity to partake of the tree of life, for humanity to become one with the tree of life. This was God's initial goal. But he realized that humanity, that Adam and Eve were not ready to partake of the tree of life. One of our prayers in our liturgy of us celebrating the Eucharist 
is that in the liturgy of St. Gregory, or the Gregorian liturgy, we pray these words, which are the same words that St. Gregory the theologian said in the 4th century. You have manifested to me the tree of life. We pray this in the divine liturgy where we pray, say, Lord, you have manifested to me the tree of life. You have manifested to me for me to partake of the tree of life. But I abused my own freedom. I abused the love that you gave me. And I decided to take things in my own hand and go against of the simple rule that you told me to do. And I decided to go against that. And out of your love for me, you had to protect the tree of life. You had to say, you know what? You're not ready to partake of it. But as we also say in the St. Basil liturgy, God said, where we pray, Lord, you have not abandoned us to the end, but you have always manifested yourself to us because God's original design, his desire is for us to become one with him and for us to become one with him through the tree of life. So what is the tree of life? Or a better question, who is the tree of life? If we go back to, to Jesus's ministry, there was a very unique and divisive moment or event that occurred in Jesus's ministry. Something that a first eyewitness recorded in so much detail. And this first eyewitness is a young man by the name of St. John. And he wrote in his gospel, uh, a, a very unique time, which probably was a, a conversation that Jesus had with his followers, that many of them decided not to follow Jesus anymore. And a lot of them heard this very divisive statement that Jesus made, and they said, I'm not into this. I'm out of here. We've been good up to now. We've been having free food. We've got free lunch. We, we, everything's been great. We've been very popular. We love seeing all these supernatural events that Jesus is doing. But once Jesus said this comment, people started to walk away. Jesus started to take all the events and supernatural events that were occurring, especially of him giving free lunch to a bunch of people by him taking five loaves and two fish. And then Jesus started to take that event of, of lunch and wanting to point it to something so much bigger. Where Jesus says, okay, I mean, you guys have been following me just because you've been getting free lunch. But I want you to desire for something so much more. Here are the words that Jesus said. Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Jesus now is transcending this event of this miracle and pointing it to something so much bigger. And he says, okay, don't put your central focus, don't put all your time and energy and focusing on where are you eating and, and what's the next meal or what are we having for this? Do, don't put all your focus on this temporal food, but put your focus on eternal food. People were kind of confused and they started asking questions to Jesus and it kind of went back and forth. And Jesus, with his grace and patience, made it clear to them, listen, I'm not talking about just in a symbolic way. I am talking that you are called, you are invited to abide and me through my body and through my blood. When the followers heard this, a lot of them said, I'm out of here. Because to a lot of them, it sounded like cannibalism. And they're not for that. But what Jesus was, was celebrating, or what Jesus was inviting them to, was to a mystery, to the Eucharist, 
something that is beyond logic. And this was an integral part to Christianity. And this was celebrated, and Jesus made this very clear on the last night he was on earth, on that Thursday night, at the mystical supper. Jesus made it clear, saying, this is my body, and this is my blood, and I desire for you to abide in me, and I and you. This became a central component. This became an integral part of how followers of Christ celebrated him and how they united with him. Even after Jesus ascended, this was an integral part to what Christianity looked like and how the movement began and how it continued to spread. The integral part was people who followed Jesus got together and to break bread. And there are several references to that being an integral part to Christianity. And I want to highlight one thing that was said by a philosopher who ended up becoming a follower of Christ, and his name is St. Justin. And he said this in the year 67 AD. So just probably 30 years after Jesus' life, St. Justin said this, For we do not receive the, these things as though they were ordinary food and drink. Just as Jesus Christ, our Savior, was made flesh through the word of God and took on flesh and blood for our salvation, so too we have been taught through the word of prayer that comes from him, the food over which the thanksgiving has been spoken becomes the flesh and blood of the incarnate Jesus. In order to nourish and transform our flesh and blood. For in the memoirs which the apostles composed and which we call gospels, they have told us that they were commissioned thus, that Jesus took bread and gave thanks. St. Justin is making crystal clear. What we are partaking of is not a morning breakfast on Sunday morning. It's not just like a, a nice thing to just celebrate love and, for, and, and unity. This is him in a way that is be, beyond comprehension or beyond logic. This is him. This is what a philosopher who became a follower of Christ, this is what he said 30 years after Jesus' life. And we have tons of references of this being an integral part to Christianity and, and other documents that we have from the first century, which includes the Apostolic Constitution, which is from the first few centuries of Christianity, and something from the first hundred years of Christianity, something called the Didache. So this is made clear within the first few centuries of Christianity, and Jesus made this extremely clear. And this is why ancient Christianity is such, so much full of depth and, and, and richness. Because when we come together on Sunday, we're not just coming just out of guilt or out of routine, but we are grafting ourselves into the tree of life. We are abiding in God incarnate. This was God's original design for us to be abiding in him continuously in every aspect. And the pinnacle of that union is what occurs when we come together around the table of the Lord. This is all great. Many of you already know this. This sounds all fine and dandy. But for many of us, Sunday is just blah. Sunday is just like too long. And when is this over? And I'm tired of standing. And how is this a celebration when I'm just like continuously looking at my phone? Let's make this extremely practical. Because when we come on Sundays, you walk in the church, I walk in the church. We are going from old to new. We're wanting to begin a new week, beginning on Sunday. We're wanting to begin a new start. We're wanting to begin a new chapter. 
maybe for many of us, we want to begin a new life. So we go from west toward east all together. And all of us looking in the same direction, moving in the same direction, us wanting to desire to abide in something so much more in this world than just ourselves. Something I tell, I say a lot at, at the church I serve in, which is St. Mark Church in Atlanta, I remind them of this, that we do not come to church to take communion. We do not come to church to take communion, but we come to church to have communion. Everyone is going to take of communion. And some people just come just wanting to rush in the church at the very end, wanting to just take communion. But our Heavenly Father never designed us or never desired for us just to take communion with Him. He desires for us to have communion with Him. And that, and that, that has a high level of view as well for us to abide in Him and having communion with Him. On Sunday, when we come for liturgical worship, we are called to have one, oneness with Him. I mean, and that's the etymology of the word communion. It's for us to be one, for two people to become one. So, so our Heavenly Father, who, who, who became incarnate, who put on skin, invites us to become one with Him. We have communion with Him through prostrations, through doing the sign of the cross, through these physical external exercises, we become one with Him. We become one with Him through silence, through stillness. For us just to put our phone away, just put our mind running in 10,000 directions to just embrace stillness. We have communion with Him by singing to Him, chanting to Him, putting the worth to, toward Him and not on myself. I have communion with Him in His Word. That when, I, when I'm hearing the epistles, when I'm hearing the psalm, when I'm hearing the gospel, I'm digesting that. I'm absorbing that. I have, I'm having communion with Him. And then the homily, the liturgy sermon, is helping me digest that. So that's communion in, in itself right there. I'm having communion with other people. Like the number one command that Jesus gave His disciples when He told them on that Thursday afternoon on, at, the, at the mystical supper, He says, a new command I give you that you are called to love one another. So we reflect that when we come to celebrate the Eucharist, that for me to continue to abide in God, I have to abide and be one with those around me. Like it's not an individualistic celebration. It's not me just coming to do my thing at church and getting out, that I have to greet one another. I have to make sure that there is oneness, there is love between us. There has to be oneness in this horizontal relationship and then ultimately with this vertical relationship between me and God. And then the pinnacle of communion, of having communion with the divine, is when I meet him at the intersection at his table. That I take my temporal being and invite the eternal being to come in me. That I am grafted, that I abide, that I partake of the tree of life himself. The goal is not to take communion. The goal is to have communion. Imagine that a bunch of my friends go out for, for dinner. And, you know, they've already scheduled this a while ago, and I knew this, and I had this on my calendar. And, you know, we're supposed to meet there at 5, and I don't show up at 5. And I come in right at the end, like as they're kind of fi finishing up dessert. And I come in, and I quickly, you know, pull the, 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 the waiter here and order something quickly and kind of take it to go, and I just quickly sit with them. Do you think I, I, I enjoyed the bond or the celebration with them? I quickly just ordered something just so I can take dinner to go, but I didn't 
enjoy or bond with my friends in that intimate celebration as they had dinner together. I didn't because I'm just worried about taking food as opposed to having a bond or a celebration or a communal celebration with them. The same exists between us and our Heavenly Father, between us and the Holy Trinity. The goal is not just to take it. The goal is to have communion. Food is an integral part to bonding and celebration, and so is divine food is an integral part to bonding and celebration. And the best part, it doesn't even end there. Just as Jesus broke of himself to give life to others, I am called to give of myself to others, that I am called to give life to others in, in, in my marriage, with my kids, with coworkers, whatever the case might be, that I continue to have communion with others now that I am one with my Heavenly Father by celebrating the Eucharist. Something will be said at my funeral, and something will be said at your funeral. And this recently came, um, this, re this recently stuck out to me at a recent funeral. This is what is said at my tomb, at my funeral, and this will be said at your funeral and your tomb as well. This is what's said following the rites of the Coptic Orthodox Church. The priest prays this. Let him become a member of the choir of the heavenly ones. Bring him into the paradise of joy. Feed him from the tree of life. That we're praying for the one who just departed. We're praying for his soul or her soul. And we're saying, make him or make her be fed from the tree of life. How beautiful is that? That now we are coming full circle. Just as God's original design for us to be with him in paradise, for us to be with him in the garden, for us to be have this intimate union bond with him, for us to abide with him at the tree of life, if this was his original design. And now, as we leave this temporal world, the church prays that this person goes back to the garden of Eden, that this person goes back into the bosom of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to this person going back in, in, into the garden, into paradise, to becoming one with the Holy Trinity. How beautiful that is. All of us desire something. All of us are hungry for something. But let this be a reminder for myself and for you that I want to be hungry for someone. The one who came to give me rest. The one who came to give me nourishment. The one who came to be the physician of my soul, body, and spirit. I pray that this will remind us and having clarity of what the Eucharistic celebration is all about. Because the goal is not just to take communion. The goal is to have Communion. You have been listening to Meet and Write. For more episodes and resources, make sure to check out CoptichHymnsInEnglish.com.